it like that. Yeah, exactly. But just like the issue is when you laugh because it's really fucking loud. It's loud when I laugh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you want to put the gain lower so that you can, but my laugh doesn't break the thing? The only issue is, I don't know if it's going to, actually, let me do it here. Maybe that'll work. Hey. Hello. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> oh, I broke there? Yeah, but like, it's okay if you. also going to be discussing the controversy surrounding Peter Rabbit, the movie, and uh, some of the things that happened to us this week. As you know, Film and Color is a podcast for us to talk about movies, life, and the things that guys in their 20s think about. Buckle up. Uh, um, uh, is there anything you wanted to mention today, sir? I know I, uh, we discussed earlier in the week uh, that uh, this, uh, we definitely wanted to talk about one particular topic this episode that afflicts writers and filmmakers. Yeah. Uh, but it's never something that we enjoy. So obviously it's, it's not something that you like because that's the whole point of it. But uh, I, think, I think it's a good like growing... It's something to make you grow as a human being, you know? For, for our audience, what, what, do you, what are you referring to specifically? Well, essentially we get like... I feel like a bunch of creative, creative like, people in general get like in a rut sometimes mm -hmm. where like there's no, there's no inspirational juice. Mm -hmm. There's no mojo. You lost your mojo. So. Indeed. You go like a week or whatever, or sometimes more, where you just, God you can't create, you know? Like, there's nothing, there's nothing coming to you, so. It's a, ter it's a terrifying, um, well, for, uh, it's, I, it, it's not spoken about, and I think the reason it's not spoken about is because if something good happens to you, it's easy to talk about it. If something bad happens to you, it's natural to not want to burden others. Yeah, exactly. I, I think... I have gone most, through most of my life. Sorry, tr tr trying to keep this brief, and then we're going to move on to this fantastic film. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> stick stick with us, please. Uh, if if you are used to producing something, and all of a sudden you show up and it doesn't come out, yeah, it's like if you used to have magic, and all of a sudden you go to perform a simple spell and nothing happens. Yeah, You're like what? Wait a sec. The first thing is like, what the hell is going on? And you keep flicking your wrist and waving your wand and. And then very swiftly, it's like, oh my God, where did it go? Yeah. Where'd my talent go? It, and then I, it's a spiral from there. I mean, it, 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 becomes, it, it seeps into everything. You, you lose your appetite. You lose your uh, up, up is down, down is up. Yeah. Things that made you happy aren't making you happy anymore. All of your usual comfort things, whatever it is, if you're watch, watching a show or if it's going for a walk or whatever it's supposed to make you happy isn't making you happy now. Your entire life has just it's been crumbled. thrown out yeah. of... It's scary. And it's fun talking about it. I, I guarantee you, ladies and gentlemen, if I wasn't with my colleague right now in this position of trust where we, we tend to discuss the stuff that makes us uncomfortable because it deals with vulnerabilities, I would not be talking about this. But that was this week for me. It was really, really bad. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't... Uh, I, I, like, it was hard to process it in the moment as it was happening. The writer's yeah. block. Yeah. To be fair, though, it, like, mm. not fair, but, like, to be kind of, like, freaky, weird, paranormal shit, kind of the same for me the last two weeks. No kidding. Yeah. 
So maybe maybe it's related to something we both do. Like we're contagiously... Yeah. Indeed. I don't know. Because for me, the what I was like, I guess like picking it back off, like picking it, piggybacking it off of was not shooting in a while. Because normally I shoot, I film stuff a lot of the time. And for the last like month or two, we've been doing a lot of post-production. So we haven't had a chance to film. So you don't have your outlet. Exactly. So like I'm... I'm like not doing what I do. I'm doing like the 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 grunt work, if you will. So like I guess that's like I didn't have that flow, but that's what I was blaming it on. I don't know if it's legit, but did it manifest in you the same way it did in my case? I don't like. For me, it's like I just don't. It's, it's like hard to wake up in the morning. It's like I don't. I want to do shit by myself more. Don't talk to me, <laughs> like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And the same kind of feeling of talking about it is almost, like, worse than just yeah. trusting that it'll go away. Exactly, yeah. Because I know, like, once I get back onto a schedule of shooting again, usually, like, it goes away. So yeah. Just just need the first couple of, like, two or three, and then I'm good to go. I have to, I didn't, I haven't told you this yet, but I, I, I wrote you four apologies last night. <laughs> After I spoke to you on the phone, I was like, I, I literally, there were short ones, and then there were three four paragraph ones of apologizing for like burdening you with my nonsense you're you know like you have way more going on you know like it, it became a whole yes. thing just as a, a response to first of all as as we've told our audience before i'm your older cousin so there's a, yeah. there's an extent to which there's a asymmetrical relationship there yeah but on top of that uh it felt really taboo to yeah. to talk about it yeah and and i was almost like trying to erase it like to to well, I just hold, like, bottle it up. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Bottle, bottle it up as yeah. the perfect words, exactly, as we were discussing earlier today. Exactly. Bottling it up is, is a, a reaction that I guess is, I mean, it's worked out for me in the past. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Yeah. Superstitiously bottling things up and then just trusting that they'll get better in the long run. Yeah. That has worked. But there's a question of whether it's the healthiest. Uh, probably not, but I, I mean, to, I tend to agree with you, yeah. Yeah. I'm like I'm not a huge fan of of burdening people with my own shit because I know they have their own shit. So I'm just like well, let me I'm deal exactly with this. The same. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. Why introduce more discomfort into the world? Exactly. You know, if you've got something going on with you, yeah, you know, you know, deal with it and come to us when you're better. Kind of thing. Yeah. I know it sounds a like callous, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's my natural kind of state yeah. of being. Yeah. Any psychologists? Uh, I know we're fucked up. <laughs> just <laughs> move forward. <laughs> There's a, a superstitiousness associated with um, a lot of different activities that are high intensity, and I, I think that also comes into it. If, if you're constantly doing things that you require your whole brain to do, yeah. then just a little grain of sand in the lens can mess up the entire enterprise, yeah. and when that happens, it's really hard to track that thing. It's like getting something in your eye, you know? Yeah. You, you never notice when there's nothing in your eye. Exactly. The second you get something in your eye, like, everything I, goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and if you were to say to somebody like, okay, now go throw in the seventh game of the World Series with something in your eye. It's yeah. like, <laughs> what the get, fuck? Like, that's a, an impossible task that you're asking me. Yeah. But uh, when it happens, I mean, it, it's easy when it's something that's physical. Maybe not easy, but the, the point being that it's particularly difficult for people like us who are constantly doing things like that and yeah. having to uh, just kind of trust that it'll work out when it works out. When it stops working out, it's difficult to know where the magic went. Yeah. I think another thing that like might affect it is also like if we, 
because I don't know about you, but I work like a decent amount of time, like per week, in the sense that like a seven day week is like yeah whatever it's no problem yeah. So, like, if you go from a seven-day week to a two-day week, and you're like, what the fuck do I do with myself? Yes. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah. that also. Like, for me, it's like, if I have a weekend off, I'm like, something's wrong. Like, I need to do something. Yeah. The boredom is a painful experience. Yeah. It's not even boredom. Like, a normal person would be like, ooh, break. And I'm like, no. No, I'm not. I don't I, need I, it. And, you know, okay. So, a particular example related to the film that we're about to discuss, uh, I, I was going and doing research, and... The research went on, and I knew I had to watch the movie, so that was starting this morning, and it went on, and I was loving it. I'm starting to read books by this early 20th century Austrian author who inspired parts of the film, and I'm, I'm loving it. I'm going back, and I'm now I'm watching this movie from 19... And at a certain point, a voice in the back of my head is saying, you have to watch the actual movie. And I, something is, like, bothering me. Like, I, the research has become too engaging. Yeah. To sit down and actually watch the movie almost felt too passive. Yeah. And to get out of that zone of continuing to to work on it and just kind of sit down, uh, even put down the notebook and just sit and watch the movie. It yeah. was just the gear. I couldn't find it. Exactly. Yeah. No, I feel the same way. For me, like, that's that's a big reason why, like, I, I feel like I'm so, like, ADD in the sense that, like, I can't just sit and watch something for a while because I'm like, I'm not doing anything, like. Yeah. Fa- happen faster. It's happen too faster. passive. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, like well, when you, you read a, crazy. listen to an audio book and like you put on like 1.5 times speed. Yes. And you're just like, more, more, more. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's so refreshing to hear that coming out of someone else's yeah. mouth. But just to spare the patience of our viewers, we, we will now move on to a subject <laughs> which will hopefully be less esoteric. And that is uh, the film that we just watched, which uh, took me by surprise. One of the points that I want to make to all of you who are listening who haven't seen this movie the Grand Budapest Hotel, directed by Wes Anderson. It was released in 2014. You might be listening to the title, as I did, and thinking, mm, for whatever reason, you're being turned off. There is a, a quality to this movie that jumps out at you from the first five minutes. If there's any part of you that is thinking, man, I'm, I'm just looking for a good movie that's going to suck me in, give this movie five minutes of a chance. Something will happen. I can almost guarantee it. Yeah. Completely agree. It's like that 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 voiceover that just grabs you right off the start. It just it holds you, and you're like, no, and then you're gone for. Oh, it's a decently long movie too, like an hour. Ninety nine minutes is what yeah. I saw. A little bit of backstory for those of us uh, who are film buffs and require this kind of information. Uh, we commend you on yeah. your specificity. Congrats. Attention to detail. Uh, directed by Wes Anderson, regarded by many as a, a modern day auteur. Uh, which is an expression that has been used more and more to uh, refer to particular directors who are um, in charge of major projects, and yet they still are able to elegantly and gracefully micromanage details all the way down to the bottom, even when they're overseeing 2,000 people over the course of the project. So it's an incredibly refined and difficult skill, and Wes is considered to be, or that is to say, Mr. Anderson is considered to be one of the greats. Cinematographer Robert Yeoman. Oh, excuse me. Say it for me, sir. Jeez, correct me. It's Yeoman. I don't know where that came from. Uh, so, uh, uh, Mr. Yeoman, uh, ASC, uh, was nominated for Best Cinematography for this film. It's the Academy Award. And editor Barry Pilling was nominated for Best Film Editing, uh, again, the Oscar, uh, for his work on this film. It was nominated for, in total, nine Academy Awards, uh, of which it won four. 
Um, and Rotten Tomatoes summarizes it as uh, typically stylish but deceptively thoughtful. The Grand Budapest Hotel finds Wes Anderson once again using ornate visual environments to explore deeply emotional ideas. Quite elegant. Yeah. Quite succinct. Well done, Rotten Tomatoes. Difficult. I mean, having seen the movie, I feel like there's so much more there that to try and summarize it in one paragraph is yeah. almost a futile task. Oh, I, like, the, the, there's... As as Jesse would say, there's five acts in the movie. No, uh, <laughs> like it feels it feels like it, when you look back an hour and a half into the past or whatever it is, it feels like four years. Yes, because there's so much happened in yes. that amount of time. Yeah, it's like yeah. a novel in that way, actually. Yeah, yeah. it's like, like the best novels are like that. When you like, you know, someone will be like, "Oh, remember the part when this happened?" You're like, like "Holy shit! Whoa, I'm way past that, and I can't even remember that happening. Yeah, exactly. I forgot that was part of the book." Yeah. It's like a crazy amount happens, but it's not like it's not like a crazy amount happens where it's unexplained. No, agreed, agreed. It, you're, 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 there's no point are you going like, what are they doing? Where are they yeah, going? What's very going organic. On? Yeah. Uh, um, this is one of the qualities I actually love about what, some of my favorite writing is Sherlock Holmes. But if you go to early 20th century writing, there are a lot of trains. First of all, yeah. And there's something about the progression of cities and trains and things like that that was reminiscent of this film. I, I saw where. It's, it, Wes Anderson puts his own stamp on it like it's totally a, a Wes Anderson movie yeah. like the framing uh, oh we'll, we'll get to that in a second but it, it, it just it screams his yeah. particular style. imprint and style yeah. uh, but the hotels the trains the wealthy the intrigue the kind of over the top murders the yeah. when he runs away from the police in the yeah <laughs> just that's exactly what you find in early 20th century literature that's exactly just it's really very fun. it's very like body acting yeah 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 uh in that, those are the so i want to hit you with three big questions but yeah. um for um anyone who still has not seen the movie we are going to try and do this episode as if you have not had the opportunity to see it so if we're discussing particular scenes or visual elements we're going to push ourselves to yeah. put them into words as best we can but exactly i mean i we hope that you recognize that it's kind of an uphill task yeah uh, to do that i mean trying to summarize this movie would just be if you gave the movie to me and said write a book that has the same tone Impossible. just shoot me yeah. I mean, it's, you can't you can't even, even right now give me like summarize the movie i'd have such a hard time because because it's, it's, it's um, go go ahead sorry go it, ahead it's like it's hard to explain but it's not it's not difficult to understand as you watch it. You know, it's like everything happens. Everything makes sense. It's all like it, it's it's a complete movie. But if you try to explain it, there's so much like backstory and shit that you have to see on the screen that it's like it's hard to explain. It's hard to put in words. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think um, if if I were to attempt um, to attempt to describe it, it would be like. There are particular chapters that are like one sentence long, yeah. and then there are other chapters that are whole narratives, and then there are other chapters that are completely random. Yeah, and then you're back with a character that is a little seedy, and you're not sure if you like the character if he's the hero or not. And then something hilarious happens, and then so all this stuff is constantly being thrown at you, and somehow all of these completely mixed elements, like a tossed salad, there's no obvious coherence, nothing's being forced upon you. It comes together exactly in its own way totally naturally and then you just you find yourself a passenger like you're just you're on for the ride at a certain point yeah. and wherever it goes you're with it yeah. you're, you're down it's now. a wonderful ride he, he clearly has uh, earned the respect of Hollywood A-listers because they're popping up everywhere yeah for sure 
Edward Norton just pops out of the floor, and then you know, yeah. you, it's, it's you're all over the place. You, the whole movie's about Voldemort. Yeah, essentially. Ralph Fiennes, right? He got a, uh, a nominated for a Best Actor for this film. He's yeah. fantastic in this movie. Yeah, it's amazing. But that's like, there's nothing bad to say. Uh, well, for me, this movie, there's nothing like terribly bad to say about it. Like, I don't have an issue with it at all. It uh, brings us to the rating, sir. Yeah. Nine seven. Uh, I was gonna hit it with five on five. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Top Highly course. recommended, ladies and gentlemen. It gets the Film of Color certified fresh seal. <laughs> hey, <laughs> the gold seal. One thing, one thing I liked about this movie a lot was the use of... Well, I mean, this, this is a classic Wes Anderson. It's the use of um, uh, framing and, like, how well he uses symmetry. And I think literally every single shot in this movie is symmetrical. Yeah. <laughs> like... Beautiful. There's, like, ten that aren't. You can, you can, you can put that on your wall. Yeah. Any, any frame is a painting. Gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. I, um, I particularly love uh, the... Um, so this will be tough to describe. We're also going to talk about um, the blocking, uh, which goes hand-in-hand hand with the framing. Yeah, exactly. Because the actors are moving in and out in such a precise way. And sometimes you see Hollywood movies where it seems like the director was just like, your character is angry. Take me there. And the actor pretty much has the whole breadth and width of the room yeah. to walk around and express that anger. They can stomp. They're yeah. going to go in circles. The, the the cameraman is really just going to follow them. Is, yeah. it, is it still called the cameraman? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Apologies Camera to... operator. Yeah. Right. Um, so if you look at a Wes Anderson film, nobody no. is anywhere they're not supposed to be at any... No. Everybody has blocking. They're on There's tracks. A, you, yeah. they, the, whole, the set must be covered in X's. Yeah, exactly. You're here, and then you're here, and then you got to walk here, and then you have to get here in two seconds, and then you turn. Oh, yeah. It's insane. It's so precise. It's almost like choreographing. Yeah, well, for sure, absolutely. Because like, there's some parts where it's like, every single person moves perfectly, and then the camera follows them perfectly and stops exactly at this spot. Yeah, and he goes from one symmetrical framing, follows the character, perfect pan into a perfectly symmetrical like frame, and it's exactly. like, wow, how do how do you even? Like I was wondering, paint, like from painting to painting. Exactly. I was wondering at one point, like. The, the location they're shooting in, how are they finding this many symmetrical things? Yeah. Are they tricking us at certain points? It was insane. Like, no, not even, though. I mean, I, I, I don't think... Just going in, making a movie is so hard. To make a movie with that level of set design. Yeah. I didn't even... I, I think they won the Academy Award for costume design, too. I, I didn't even... The costumes were great. The color was great. But I, I just kept getting flabbergasted by... What was happening? Like it's, it's, it. he seems to use frame left and frame right, like a Scooby Doo episode. Yeah, characters can like run in frame left and like dash out frame left, and then they're you know like it, it was yeah. just it was great, and there 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 was no need for timing. Like at one point, one, one scene that stuck out to me is at one point Willem Dafoe is threatening someone. Yeah, um, and then it he he he's leaving, and it just cuts to his jacket swinging and him walking away from this doorway. There's, there was no need to show him responding to what was heard, turning. That was just cut out, and it was like three seconds long, but those three seconds were enough to keep the pacing of the film exactly. constantly moving. It's constantly jumping. Something, something's about to come at you at every second. Yeah. You just get addicted to it. Yeah. yeah. I, for me, it's just that, that timing, the blocking, and the framing, and like the, how the camera moves with the people. It yeah. like, always blows my mind. Because yeah. a lot of, a lot of like movies now that we see, it's like the camera if you can imagine it is like handheld and it's following the person 
in in two D space, if you will. Like the the camera is stationary, mm-hmm. and it's just rotating. Right, right, right. But like in a lot of Wes Anderson, what he does is like he move he puts the camera on a dolly, which is like essentially a train. Right, and like if a person's walking down the hallway, he'll walk with the person, so they're like walking on a parallel line essentially, and so like that you feel like you're with the person the entire way instead of just having one shot of them walking out of the room and I then another shot notice. of them walking in the room where it's like stationary on both sides but like it's it's simple when you think about it but you have to do it and he does it for literally every fucking shot like it's insane you see there's like a 90 degree pan from right to left and the person the character is always in the center of the screen so when you pan they're like panning with the per- it's like it's almost like the background is moving exactly yeah and like the way he does it the way he like times it is like it's so, so precise it's that... so like it's so crispy and so like ooh that was perfect it's one of the th- crispy is a fantastic word the only like metaphor that I could apply to it that would resonate with someone who has not seen the movie but is trying to understand what I'm talking about is it's like you put humans in stop motion yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so precise yeah. that it felt like things were happening almost. And weren't there were there things like that that the trolley that that yeah I can't remember its name. That, that but was stop motion, yeah. right? That that was it's stop like motion, right? The, when you see like the 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 poster of the movie, that's like actually a mini figurine. Okay, okay. So they do use. Like, I love that effect. Yeah, yeah it looks really really cool. Yeah. There's also a scene at one point when, um, uh, the two trolleys you saying like going like that. That, that, yes, yes, yeah. but right after that, when they're standing on this cliff edge, yeah. so by them, I mean Ralph Fiennes' character, and uh, you're going to have to help me with the names on this one, man. <laughs> Good luck. Oh, goodness. The so two the, main characters. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the two main characters who are uh, both trying to escape the law because they're, they're innocent and they've been falsely accused of a murder. At one point, they're standing on this long pier, and they're right at the edge. Yeah. Uh, they're about to be rescued by these monks. Spoiler alert! Sorry. <laughs> the, the point being, I think it was stop motion because the first time that you see them, you're standing like ten miles away or something like that. They're yeah, they're just they're these tiny. tiny tiny figures, yeah. and then it zooms in and it's on them. Yeah, I, I think that it was stop motion in the first framing shot. a very good chance. It looked so good. Yeah. It just looked so good. Yeah, that's the thing. Like he he integrates that like that finesse of is this real or is this fake. Like, it looks kind of fake, even though you know it's real. And then sometimes it looks real, but you know it's fake. Yeah. But, like, it's not like... He's not make, trying to make it look real. It just... It is. Yeah. 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 I, it's so it's, it's so difficult to put your finger on exactly what is happening that is giving you that feeling. Yeah. It's really, it's really hard to explain. Like, this is definitely a movie where you just watch one shot of it and you're like oh i understand where this is going i know i noticed one thing um that was reminded me of of uh, the fantastic mr fox first of all there's the heist element yeah. that gets introduced whatever there's lots of movie that movies that have feists but feists heists the walls seemed permeable like it was almost like we we're always in a cutout of exactly. their world we exactly. could very easily have the camera just switch through a wall and go into another room and all of a sudden yeah. you're following the characters through that wall and it does do that a lot like you'll see characters walking through do- through doorways like from the side of exactly, the doorway exactly yeah. exactly and which is something you would expect in stop motion but to film something like that with a, an actual physical building yeah unless you're cutting holes in things that's just fantastic camera work exactly yeah it's amazing I I have nothing bad to say about it. It's like I strive sometimes to find... I remember in one time in film school, we found a shot that was like... It was in 
near the beginning, one of the lobby shots, and we had okay. to we wanted to recreate that in one of our films because how like, hard was that? Oh, it's fucking impossible. <laughs> like, there's no way to get it perfectly symmetrical. And like every location that I've been to on a shoot, there's like two or three things where you're like, okay, that I can make perfectly symmetrical. I have no idea how he got so many symmetrical shots. It's like the 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 art design must have like just hated this guy because it's like make it symmetrical, make it symmetrical. You think he, he was actually forcing them to go in and adjust the oh, sets absolutely. and yeah, really? There's no like there aren't that many symmetrical rooms no. in all the no. Like think about German your house. Castles. Think about your house. Fair point. There's like three. That's crazy, actually. Yeah. How expensive was I'm, I'm, there were scenes, there were some scenes okay so just as a as a uh, nod to what do you call the person who designs the set a set designer team? art designer set designer yeah. art designer um, to, as a kudos to them there were so many amazing sets and then there were some things that looked like they were, must have been so expensive to film and they're on the screen for like two minutes yeah and oh, it was just sure. like the the thing with the suits of armor yeah when they're running away from right, and they're running through the suits of armor, and I'm just looking at this, I'm like, how expensive was this set up? Yeah, for for like a minute and thirty seconds. Not even like, uh, yeah, less than that. They're they're in there for maybe thirty seconds, let's say. Maybe yeah. And to think of all the effort it took to set up all those suits and to get the lighting right and to that's movie making, but like that's extreme movie making. Yeah, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. and also there's a lot of like pastel colors. Yeah, and that that just adds to the like. Is that more difficult to do than... It's not more difficult, but it's like the, the thought behind it, like it makes it seem more, not not like fake, but like... Affected, like, kind yeah, of artistic. Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's no, you never see like a deep blue. It's always like a pastel blue and you're like, oh, it's like everything's soft, but not soft, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's hard to explain. You have to... No, I know what you mean though. If like, you watch like the trailer of the movie, you'll get like what we're talking about. Yes. Yeah. But like... It's hard to put into words. But the starkest like, example, I think, would be the prisoners' uniforms. They weren't black and white. They were like eggshell and gray. Yeah. And there was so there was something pastel, like there was something artistically, uh, what's it, stylistic. Like it was almost in, they had in style prisoners' uniforms from the early twentieth century. That was there were exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, one nitpick. I don't know if you notice this, but it. Um, so at one point. Uh, Ralph finds his character, the main character, is in prison, and he has to escape. He's got four um, co-conspirators, and they've tunneled through the floor. Now they're about to uh, take advantage of the tunnel that they've carved out over the course of a number of months, um, and they're going to go out through the floor. The way that they've covered over this tunnel is by putting a piece of cardboard down and putting a table over it. And I saw that, and I went, totally unconvincing. It's a wooden floor. They've now put a piece of cardboard over it and a table over that. How did a guard not spot that over the course of three months? And then as the scene progressed, you see them pull the cardboard and the table out with one move, and then they all go down through the hole. And I'm like, ah, they prioritized the choreography of that one scene where they all four guys or five guys jump out of bed, pull back this thing, jump through the hole, and now their, their escape is on. That choreography was prioritized above the realisticness of exactly what they probably would have done, which is like put back wooden boards and then yeah. all move them up. So, so it's one of those places where he's prioritizing the speed. Not the, like, yeah, understand it's what I'm it's like the flow. About? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The flow took it's precedence like, over the realism of what yeah. you would actually do. If and that happens a lot during a movie. Absolutely. Yeah, where it's like eh, that's kind of, that doesn't look super like like realistic or yeah. believable, but yeah. like 
it's just again it's so perfect but you feel like he's taking shortcuts that you don't really need to be explained exactly like, like uh, you understand it like it's not like they they hid the floorboard what difference does it make yeah exactly you know exactly it doesn't it doesn't take away from the realism because everything about the story feels a little bit affected everything about it is a little wacky um leaning towards absurdity exactly but you still care about what happens to the characters it's real enough that you're invested exactly it's it's again it, this movie is really hard to explain it is it is yeah. Uh, and on that note, great movie, great recommendation, sir. Uh, we can go a little deeper into it if our audience would like that. We can also touch on some other topics. Um, yeah, the, these two things I, I thought were neat. I've always looked at film credits and um, seen uh, letters after people's names yeah. and not really understood what they meant. Yeah. Were, you, were you familiar with that from film school? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah, so we, we talked a little bit about it in film school. What we're talking about essentially is... When you see like a an editor director like any higher up crew member on yeah. a, on in the credits list you'll see like like uh, blah 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 a c e yeah a dot c dot e dot yeah or a s c or c s a or whatever like that yeah and what those are essentially is like groups groups of people in that field so for example a c e is American Cinema Editors so okay. it's like a group of editors. And like the highest level editors, like the the really good editors, and essentially, I, I'm not 100 sure for all of them, but I know ASC, which is American Society of Cinematographers. It's like a invite only, so a person in the group has Ooh. to acknowledge that you're good. They show your work to the to the higher like the echelons of the group, and then they have to accept you into the group. So it's like a prestigious country club. Like you have to have one of the existing members vouch for you exactly. in order to get in yourself. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's one of the high honors. Then which one is that? American Society of Cinematographers. So that's ASC? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And there's, there's a bunch. There's like one for most countries. Like we have one that's like CSC, I think. Oh, really? The Canada has one too? There's like Australian, I think. And there's, yeah, there's a bunch. There's a bunch. One of the ones I've always seen that I've never had a chance to look up is uh, for casting directors. I think they have one too. CSA. CSA. Okay. Okay. Casting something of America, yeah. Okay, okay. And it's like a guild yeah, also. Yeah, exactly. There's also like the director guild and stuff like that. Okay, right. Yeah, That's the one George Lucas got kicked out of. Yeah, from, exactly. Right, right, right. Yeah, Famously yeah. because he, he didn't put credits at the beginning of the movie and you yeah, weren't supposed to do that. Exactly. And like, it's like, there's like dumb rules that you have to follow sometimes. Like that, where you have to put credits in the beginning. Like right. It's like, it starts to become like a union where it's like, there's there are ways of doing things, young man. Yeah. And it's like, why? It's my movie. Like, fuck you. Right. right. And that's where you can get kicked out and shit. But like, for the <laughs> most part, it's a... It's crazy it's, and like awesomely poetic that like one of the movies that defines all movies was made by a guy who got kicked out of the highest of the level. club <laughs> of the guys who make the best movies. Yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah. It's insane. That's why. Like, it's a good, it's a good thing to have, obviously, but... Uh, you have to balance pros and cons with what you're doing. Is it, uh, you know, like, is it, is there like a place where they hang out? Like, <laughs> like cigars and big, thick leather chairs I'm, and I'm stuff sure. like that? I'm sure. That's so awesome. They have, they have their own, if you're, if you're like part of these groups, usually they have their own like pay cutoff point. So if you're part of the group, like you're not getting lower than this amount. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. So I'm sure they have their own lounge somewhere. Super awesome. Their own cigar lounge paying your dues yeah. and then you get to you know yeah. like sit sit with other great cinematographers of the era yeah it's so cool cool yeah well, I've always wondered about that because you, you see that all the time when, when the credits roll by and yeah. I've, I've never had a chance like, to, it's not PhD it's like, what the hell does that mean yeah so it's not it's not a 
um, it's not something that's bestowed by a university. That, that's the stuff that's, that's actually bestowed by membership in a guild, which is not obligatory. You can be a cinematographer without it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's why, like, sometimes you won't see it. Or, like, most times you won't see it. But, like, on the Hollywood things, usually you'll see there's right. a bunch of them on director, editors, casting, blah, 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 blah. Like, they're all there. Would you want to join the Canadian? Uh... I'm not going to say no, because, like, <laughs> that means you're really good. But, like, uh, yeah, like, a, I, I'm not striving Super for cool. it, but, like, yeah. usually usually it's, like, you have to do movies for that. Like, One doesn't look a gift horse in the mouth, right? Exactly. If, if, yeah. it's, if it's offered, uh, why not uh, yeah. partake? If you have the cheese platter, I'm not going to say no. But... <laughs> well, I hope that was informative for you, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, I guarantee you at least one person in our audience is like, oh, that's what that is. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, if we um, – let's deviate away a bit from the film because there's a couple of things that happened this week that I'd like to get your reaction to related to movies, in fact. Yeah. Peter Rabbit uh, was released by Sony Pictures, and uh, of course, it's about it's based on the story by uh, Beatrix Potter. I always think I'm mispronouncing her name. I have no idea. Anyway, uh, she's a very famous English uh, writer of stories for children. Okay. Um, the controversy was surrounding this one particular scene where uh, Peter Rabbit, who is attempting—that is to say, Peter Rabbit and his friends are living in this area and they're eating food from different people's gardens. This one new occupant moves in, and he hates rabbits. He thinks rabbits are thieves and vultures, and so he's trying to kill them. I mean, like, unabashedly, he is trying to kill these rabbits. He's using electric fences. At one point, he tries to, you know, like, hit them with a a, a plow. Like, it's a dangerous yeah. game yeah. that Peter Rabbit is involved in, but, of course, he's spunky, and uh, he's definitely not going to let this bully walk all over him. So at one point, the rabbits find out that uh, this bad guy is allergic to blackberries. And in the film, the rabbits end up launching blackberries at him and manage to get a blackberry in his mouth, at which point he goes into anaphylactic shock and has to eventually inject himself with epinephrine in order to prevent his death. Yeah. And happens. parents have gone insane. This is allergy-based bullying. You cannot do this. This is going to encourage kids to try and expose other kids to allergies. A bunch of stories came out that shocked me. Apparently, some bunch of idiot kids somewhere found out that a girl was allergic to pineapple. They rubbed pineapple on... One of the girls rubbed pineapple on her hands and asked for a high five. The girl went into anaphylactic shock. In another class, uh, they induced a kid to eat... Um, peanut butter or something he had a nut allergy and they tricked him into eating something with a nut in it and it's like from my perspective i'm looking at this i'm like these are stupid kids you, yeah you're gonna have stupid how many kids do you need to you know just get out of the system probably like five percent something something yeah there's how many you know like you, you there's a ton of bad cops yeah but we recognize that not all cops are bad there's also a ton of bad kids exactly so to like to give those kids the credit and be like oh they got that idea from that horrible misguided movie seems to me like we're not playing the game properly here you know like this is there are a ton of shitty kids that are going to be shitty no matter what influences they have yeah but then again there is an argument to be made that any movie like for example finding nemo um all drains lead to the ocean apparently resulted in a ton of kids killing their fish by flushing them down toilets trying to set them free yeah thinking that the fish would go to the ocean. all drains lead to the ocean right yeah uh, and also clownfish became way more valuable after that movie was released everybody was asking for clownfish and so at one point the great barrier reef had to 
like the clownfish started becoming endangered. Okay. And, you know, like just ridiculous consequences from movies yeah. that you think are innocuous. What do, what do you think about this situation? Was Sony Pictures right to, uh, I mean, sorry, just to be clear to wrap it up, they apologized. They said that this was misguided. If they had known that it would be interpreted this way, they wouldn't have done it. And they're just really, really sorry and whatever. You know, they just gave the, you know, they pulled down their pants and they said, smack my bum, I'm a bad boy. Yeah. So what do you think they should have done, if anything? Who's in the wrong here? And um, is is it okay to look this deeply into kids' movies or should we just kind of not overthink them? I'm personally like... Personally, I think it's just the kid's fault. It's not It's not really the movie's fault. But, like, I'm... That's me coming from, like, the whole... The generation of uh, video games are bad and they're going to make kids violent. So, like... Right. For me, it's not really, like... Because you know the bad kids are going to do dumb shit either way. Yeah. So, like, if it wasn't rubbing whatever the, whatever the person's allergic to on their hand, like, it's going to be some other dumb shit. Right. So, I don't think it's the actual movie's fault is it like a I feel like they could have came up with a different way to do it but like I'm not gonna watch the movie and be like oh fuck that's bad that's bad don't do that right cause it's like that's the person's weakness like you need to get the bad right. guy like, that, was, that was the point that other people made they were like he's trying to kill the rabbits yeah he's trying to murder them yeah like yeah. they're gonna try and murder him too that's the way yeah. conflict works in a film yeah it just so happens that when you watch Despicable Me, when Gru shoots missiles at someone, they're non-lethal missiles. Exactly. So, you know, it's like, no, where are the parents who are going like, oh, my kid is trying to shoot missiles at his sister now because... Yeah. You're like, what? No, I, that's no, clearly no, an yeah, exaggerated yeah, yeah, example, yeah, yeah. but I, I feel like part of the reason that this backlash came, came at them is because this is a mixture of CGI and, like, and live action. Yeah. And as we have known forever, Family Guy, South Park, they can make fun of religion. The instant any kind of Actual human person. Yeah. F- physical person makes fun of religion oh, oh my goodness, goodness. This, is, this is inappropriate how this dare you how dare you yeah. exactly but yeah. when cartoons do it it's okay yeah. so this is one of those weird middle grounds where it's half cartoon half live action and it's sketchy it's it, like you the, get the, the you get the reactions of those crazies who, like those professional outrage artists yeah who, who just, just get angry need to be then again if you have a parent with a deadly that's to say if you're a parent with a kid who has a deadly allergy, um, is it easy to not overreact to something like this? Like, no, I, I get where they're coming from, but like, I'm thinking about it like this. I'm thinking about it like the the guy's trying to kill the rabbits, right? Yeah. If you're in a fucking alleyway and some guy comes at you, you're not gonna be you're not gonna start punching and doing right hook. You're fucking kicking him in the balls and you're running away. Yeah. You're going for his main weakness. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's the same it's thing. Fight, it's it's fight or flight. Like this exactly. is life and death now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like, uh, for, like they were trying to like yeah. asphyxiate him on a prank, like exactly. to amuse themselves. Like yeah. they were trying to keep themselves alive by exactly. killing him. Exactly. It wasn't. Yeah. The, yeah, that's it. It wasn't a prank. It was like I'm. You're not gonna kill me. Like it was. It was life or death. Like, I, I like the way you put that because it. it if you want to come back at these parents, let's th- throw out all the other movies that their kids love. And, um, like, for example, Elsa from Frozen. Yeah. She's, she's the ice queen. Yeah. Anna is her sister. Anna is her sister. Yeah. Somebody's <laughs> going to correct me. And uh, at one point, she's, like, like, walking through the snow, and she falls into a river. Yeah. And then gets out and keeps walking through the snow. Now, if a child thinks that they can physically walk through snow, 
as people who have lived with snow their entire lives, you will die. Yeah. You will yeah. die if you don't dress properly and you go outside, especially if you fall into freaking frozen Plus water yeah, and keep going. You're done. But where was the where was the outrage that says that this is going to lead to kids jumping kids into walking water. into blizzards? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, get, I get that there's an element to this that it's you know kids are really shitty to each other and it's like you don't want to give them any ideas. Yeah. But at the same time, like you remember how violent cartoons used to be? Exactly. Like insanely, I won't point like a. a they used to shoot each other with realistic looking guns. You have Elmer Fudd shooting Daffy Duck. Yeah. And his, yeah, his, literally. his this is the result. His bill <laughs> flips around his head and then is pointed backwards on his head. That's the result of getting a shotgun shot in his face. Yeah. Was that resulting in kids shooting each other in the face with shotguns? Maybe one more on a kid, but that yeah. says more about the kid than it does about the... Yeah. But I think it might also be an issue of just like you're hearing about it more. Because of social media and stuff? Yeah. 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 Like, if, if one person hears... If one parent hears that another, kid, another kid's parent is angry, they might be like, oh, yeah, wait a sec. And then they get angry. Yeah. And it's like a compound thing. I remember so many shitty parents that I had to deal with from those periods of time. Like, you would have basically... There would be that one person who... It was like their business to be upset. Yeah. And you had to you had to treat them with the same level of respect as everyone else, even though you don't. Everyone's rolling their eyes at them. Strikes again. Uh, lest we not be bogged down in something that makes us unhappy, something that makes us happy. Um, uh, some great movies are coming out this year. Yeah. Um, we're going to be seeing some superhero movies where they're getting everyone together. Yeah. And that's going to be exciting to watch you tear that apart <laughs> yay <laughs> i can't imagine the difficulty of the director it's like okay so you have to craft a storyline around the hulk thor guardians of the galaxy uh uh iron man yeah. captain america the silver the winter soldier yeah. uh vision yeah. scarlet witch yeah it's too, sil- much. Oh. It's too much <laughs> god well, i remember i remember hearing about a director who wanted to change the idea a bit or the vision was it Joss Whedon yeah I think so and they're just like nah and he quit okay, he yeah. quit yeah exactly. he wasn't yeah. able to do the next one and he, he actually can't quit Twitter people were like I think we broke Joss Whedon <laughs> seriously he had so he had like a list of all the things that he had to include in the movie That's it. and he had a list of all the things that he could not include in the movie yeah trying to craft a story with so many with guidelines a like... stack of regulations on your yeah. desk just, just write the story yourself <laughs> right the only way to make it he, the best thing he introduced was he, he gave Hawkeye a family and at one point all the Avengers like are hanging out at Hawkeye's house and they're yeah. it's like to... so minute that it's like I mean yeah but that was his best attempt you know yeah, this, is the guy, this is the guy who created Firefly how much did you love Firefly exactly right it's solid yeah. super solid because the guy was given freedom he reinterpreted he reimagined and the end result was freaking amazing yeah yeah, yeah. It's wild. Apparently, they brought him in for um, Justice League. Okay. After the director of Justice League, uh, he had to leave the project because yeah. one of his kids had something tragic happen to them. Yeah. Uh, Joss Whedon was brought in to there do the go. second half of the movie. Um, well, I guess we'll have to review it eventually, and eventually. when we do, we'll you know we'll I guess we'll ask each other. Did you notice at a certain point where it felt like the director changed? Changed the vision swap. I don't. I don't think so. Because like, so you, keep in mind, you don't shoot everything in order. So it might be like true. scene one is this guy, scene two is this guy, scene three is the first guy. Right. And flip-flops. Yeah. So. I don't know. I'm not personally a big Zack Snyder fan. Doesn't doesn't do anything for me. Doesn't it doesn't like bother you or not bother you? Mean? No, like I, I, 
his work isn't standing out to me. I'm not like, holy shit, that was awesome. Well, did you enjoy 300 as an example? I think it's his most famous. Yeah, like it was good, but it wasn't. I wasn't. Didn't make you want to work out. <laughs> yeah, like it's <laughs> about the most you can say. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it didn't make me want to, like, go be like, who who directed this? I need to see more of this guy's shit. There was almost an over the topness to it that yeah. gets stale very quickly. Yeah. But I mean, it works it's like out. A, it's like an artist who paints something entirely in yellow, right? They, the first time they do it, you're like, like wow, this is so different. By painting number four, you're like, okay, we get it. You use a lot of yellow. Yeah. It's a yellow wall. Do you have man. any other ideas? Yeah. And then if they break out like green, you're like, okay, we get yeah, it. You're using go. a lot of one color. You know, like you have to keep breaking the mold if you yeah. want to stay. Yeah, exactly. And that's why Wes Anderson has this cool, to bring it back there, he has this cool quality of, even he, though he's telling a completely different story, it's the same old stuff. There's something about it where you're like, hey, this reminds me of that, that other movie that was so different, but yeah. somehow there's something similar about it. Yeah. It's like uh, it's like the guy who directed Baby Driver. Uh, yeah, Edgar yeah, Wright. exactly. Edgar it's like Wright. his style of like, like when the, the montage there where it's like, zoom in, pop, zoom in, pop, zoom yeah. in. And like the timing is perfect on everything. It's like every single movie is different, but it still has his style in it. Something's like coming out and winking at you, and you're just you're going like, mm, I know, I know this from somewhere. I don't know where, but I know this from somewhere. Exactly. So if if you want to type in, sure, something, and I'll describe it to the audience as you're watching it, will it be recording your audio? The computer audio? Yeah, yeah. I can. I can do this. I have the technology. What's the uh, what am I searching? Uh, what, Google uh, Remus. Shark Cam, R E M U S. Go to YouTube. Uh, Why do I love like that? you like YouTube.com. Yeah, That'll help me. Nine screens. Forty-six. Yes, that's the one at the top. The Hunter and the Hunted. And I want to get my colleague's reaction to this because I fully expect it to be hysterical. All right, here we go. In 2013. WHOI engineers took a specially equipped uh, Remus, R-E-M-U-S, Shark Cam underwater vehicle to Guadalupe Island off the west coast of Mexico. So we're seeing a little video of the scientists on board the boat. They are loading what looks like a torpedo into the water. And their goal was to track and film great white sharks in the wild using special acoustic tags that the vehicle could home in on and follow. Remus Shark Cam was equipped with six cameras, five mounted on the nose and one, one on mounted rear. in the rear. And what you're seeing right now on the screen, if you're watching it at home, um, is uh, the video image being populated by the different angles. You get a panoramic view. This gave scientists a close-up panoramic, there we go, view of great white sharks in the wild. Interesting. Do you want to put that full screen, sir? Yeah. Oh, look, a shot. Cool. Okay. Get, get the get the brightness up if you can. So this is this is like uh, this is like. But the hunter soon became the hunted. Oh, oh! I don't like this. Oh, oh okay. Oh my god! So great see a gigantic shark. shark just approach. Great white shark just chilling. Shark in the back. cam from the front, just a little peek. And now, oh, it's kinematic. Oh, and now we're looking at the. Oh, oh my god! Jesus oh, Christ! Just... So essentially. This is probably one of my bigger fears, which is like, oh my god, you know when you can't see the bottom of the ocean yeah, and you're exactly. in a, you're in water and a fucking shark just comes out of oh the fucking water out of nowhere. Yeah, so that's that, what, what we just saw was just an explosion. <laughs> one minute, one minute everything's fine, and then the next minute 
shark comes out of nowhere. A gigantic shark comes from below. Yeah, that's horrifying. And it just grabs the fucking thing and just keeps... Just, it's freakishly just, fast. It's just, huge. And it's just so fast. Yeah. It's just her screaming. You think it would be a lumbering giant? No. So some sharks displayed signs of territorial behavior towards shark cam. It's insane. You like you. This is pure ocean. You can't see like a hundred feet, and a shark just comes out of nowhere. So from behind and just a bump. That's horrifying. Looking to see what's going on, and oh my goodness. Yeah, I don't. Not like I'm not scared of sharks. But I'm scared of sharks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like they just come out of nowhere. Look at that. Just and, oh, and they're bumping, bumping from the front. So just so sort of like, hey, uh, this is my. Okay, in what are most likely predatory attacks? Sharks take advantage of the clear water to lurk in the darkness below the vehicle, then swim up suddenly and bite it on the tail or midsection. So they even know where the head is based on the direction it's traveling. They're trying to avoid it. This is the same way sharks hunt seals near Guadalupe Island. And they say clear water. It's not that. It's clean. not clear. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> yeah. It's just. It just. It fucking comes out of nowhere. It's instantaneous. What's cool that oh, I learned during shark is animal. when you bite, its eyes like roll back, so yeah. it doesn't get uh, it protects itself. Exactly. Which is, I mean, it's so beautiful too. Like it's this, like it's so aerodynamic. Yeah. Everything about it is just hydrodynamic. Hydrodyne. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Well corrected. In all, Rima Sharkam recorded dozens of interactions with great white sharks and survived several predatory attacks. I think this is the point. So now we see the scientists pulling this torpedo-shaped object out of the water. As long as a human being. I mean, it's about six, maybe five five feet long. And the sharks that were biting it were easily grabbing, you know, they had like a, at least a two-foot bite width. Oh, yeah. Huge, huge. All right, and now the scientist is just brief. I don't know if you guys can... Can they hear the audio? I can't hear I'll it. I'll put it in. I'll put it in. All right. But yeah, it's right. it's insane. Like, you just... There's, like, bite marks on this. On and this. Uh, I think in, in this point, he's explaining that if you were a human being and you took a uh, chisel and you tried to replicate these kinds of marks with a hammer and a chisel, you would struggle. So let's say a shark bites your leg. Imagine someone I mean, takes a no hammer leg. and a chisel and goes after your leg. Yeah. This is more force behind it. Yeah. I'm not a yeah. Fuck sharks. <laughs> yeah. Um. So uh, uh, that was good. Yeah. I, I liked it. <laughs> I've I've seen some 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 wild shit on the internet. So like that's not like you know when you see the stuff where like you don't really want to see it but you One see it and you kind of go yeah, yeah. white and shit every time you yeah, you, yeah. so like that's not like super like oh level. fuck to well, me I want, I want to keep it I mean yeah P- semi PG but there's definitely I mean let me guarantee you the next time you watch that video especially if you have headphones on the, when you know that the thing is coming you're gonna be sitting there clenched <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> it, yeah. It, it, it's it's like it's like those uh, this this one horror movie I remember watching, which we might end up watching eventually, uh, maybe soon, hopefully. I know you're not a fan of scary movies, but we'll see. This <laughs> this one's like good in the filmmaking perspective. I think it's okay. called The Babadook. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah, I have. It's about a children's book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's like it's not like the I found the first half really good, second half, eh. Okay. Just because you you've seen the monster and it kind of gets like, eh. right. But the first half, I remember this one shot where it's like, it's just a still camera on a tripod shot of stairs, and you're expecting something to come, and it's just five seconds long, and then nothing fucking happens, and you're like, 
oh my fuck the entire time and yeah. then nothing happens you're like wait what what the yeah. fuck what, what? and like yeah. that's kind of like what, what happens here yeah. it's just like you're waiting for it and you're like oh okay it's the suspense that kills you yeah it's, it's a hard suspense the, the magic of Jaws was that yeah. there are still people who will not get into the water because they saw Jaws like yeah. in the what, 70s something like that yeah it's insane yeah and that was a whole, I mean, not only was the phobia a big thing, like it reduced people's uh, sympathy for sharks. The whole reason the movie worked out so well is because Bruce, the name of the fake shark that they built, yeah. there were all kinds of problems during production. So he, Spielberg wanted to have him in scenes and they were like, he, he's not ready or he's sinking or something like that. Yeah. And so they ended up filming like this thing with the, you remember they shoot him with the yellow barrels and the barrels are going under? So for most of the movie, you don't see the monster. Yeah. And there's one particular scene where you get a really good view of him and you're like, that's fake as shit. Yeah. But, but it's the, the effect of the movie was not ruined by it. Exactly. Yeah. So the second you show your monster movie, your monster in a monster movie, yeah. you really have shown your cards. Yeah. Right? It's not going to get scarier than that from that point unless you go the gore direction of... Yeah. Uh, you know, You're which just, is a cheap. You know, anybody can do that. Exactly. Whether it's a monster killing you or it's a guy killing you, or yeah. you know, blood is blood. But the the real, truly scary thing. That's why that what was like Slenderman. Yeah, that's yeah, why exactly. that game worked, right? Yeah. You're literally just. Isn't it just you're walking in a forest? You're walking in, yeah, trying and then, to collect like papers or something. Yeah, and, that's it. And then, and then you, your job is if you see Slenderman, run in the other direction. You just run in the right. Yeah. He's literally just like a tall dude in a suit. Yeah, it's like a, it's like an insult to. Well, to be fair, he's like. 14 foot tall but yeah oh is that okay yeah it's well, wait, what if you're just a kid yeah that's true there's no objective measure yeah, but like, of the objectively <laughs> of the i'm pretty sure slenderman is enormous <laughs> it's funny i'm making fun of the game now but there's no way i could play it oh no i, I played it once and i was like no I'm there's good, no thanks. way i could do it uh have you ever played uh okay random random topics mm. yay. yay five nights at freddy's no fuck that i i hear that it's mostly um I don't even know how I know these things. Where the hell did I see that? MatPat or something? Like, probably YouTube. Definitely. Just deep in YouTube. Um, uh, what a waste of time. What a black hole of time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, it was mostly um, jump scares. Is that, yeah. is, that, is that the case? Did you play it? I, I watched a couple like gameplays of it. Okay. I'm not a huge fan of playing scary games. Yeah. Just, it doesn't... <laughs> nah, I'm good. I'm the same. But, I'm like, the same. I'll, I'll watch like someone else play it and like... I think I watched like two or three things and I was like, nah, I'm good. I'm nothing, nothing, anything for me. No, you're in like a control room and you're looking at like security monitors. And then you, if you see the monster coming towards your room, you have to turn on the light, but you can only turn on the light for a certain amount of time or something. something it's like something weird like that. But okay. If you don't, you get a jump scare. Okay. And like, it's fine. Well, I like the mechanic in so far as, um, as you're, when you're a kid, that's basically the only weapon you have just turning on the light. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a good concept. I just, I don't like scary games. Yeah, neither do I. Yeah. Well, you're going to make me watch scary movies, so. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get you back some. Yeah, exactly. That's fair. That's fair. A fun game that I've been trying to find, I don't know if you remember this, back in the mini clip days. You are going to say Platypus? No. I'm going to say Snowball Fight 3D. Was that South Park? It looks like South Park, but it's like. Yeah, do you remember va- that? I vaguely remember that. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I I saw some like some picture of it, and I've been trying to find it, and I can't find Can it. Can you no, no? It doesn't exist anymore. It makes me so sad. Wow. Okay, trip down memory lane. Yeah. Essentially, right. you're the name as many mini clip games as you can. Oh, that's I've got two: Platypus and, and Snowball 3D Fight. 
Then there was also... um, There's a lot of George Bush shooting people games. Yeah? Yeah. There was also uh, uh, the helicopter, Heli Attack. Yeah. Yeah. Heli Attack 3, Heli Attack 2. (laughs) Yeah. There was um, that game with mining... Uh, Motherload? Motherload, yeah. yes. Yeah. There was Motherload. Yeah. There was the game with the racing where you would race the yellow car around. Uh, that one I don't remember. I would come over. You had a high-speed internet, and I didn't. And yeah. I would come over to your house, and we would play Miniclip, and I could not leave. I was, like, yeah. addicted. Yeah. That, that was, was the, the joy of Miniclip. It was the next level. Yeah. We would play, we would also, we would, we would play, like, and for any game we would play, one of us would, ha- would have the arrow keys, and yeah. the other guy would have the, yeah. like, A-S- ADS WASD WASD Yeah, yeah. that was a terrible idea. Why did we ever do that? That yeah, was the dumb. Yeah. Was the dumb. We were jump, 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 jump. Yeah. It, it really it really built our uh, yeah. telekinetic abilities. It, you know? it did. It did, yeah. but I'm sure it also caused a ton of frustration. Oh, absolutely. We were just like, fuck, you could you should jump there, you bitch. You know? Uh um uh wow, wow, wow. That sends me way back. back. Yeah. Old IBM computer. Yeah. It was right over there. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy! Yeah. That was good stuff. Yeah, you know it, it. Um, like when this within a month of getting high speed internet, MiniClip just wasn't a thing anymore. Yeah, the whole thing was the exclusivity. Yeah, crazy. That's crazy. I'm just trying to think if there's anything else that I can summon up from those days. Um, the rush hour game and. Remember, you gave me a CD with Driver on it. Yeah, Driver was, that was so That was like Grand Theft Auto before Grand Theft Auto. It you had, no, you couldn't get out of the car. Yeah, that's it. You are just driving around. But you could smash into everybody else's car, yeah. and there was a big map to explore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, like, awesome. games were a lot simpler back then, but they just worked. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested in your thoughts on this. I've been thinking, because, like, a lot of friends have my, uh, a lot of friends have a, a Switch, Nintendo Switch. No way. Yeah. Really? Like, a decent amount of my friends. And... It really pisses me off that we went with a Wii U. Okay, I mean, okay, no, hold on. To be fair, to be fair, we did get it. It was fair. It was pretty early on, so like it was, it was worth it. That was an awesome adventure. We went to like the pawn shop and yeah, right. Yeah, we found a good deal. We couldn't find a wire to charge the Wii U moat. We were terrified that they they didn't come with one. Yeah, did we end up using a random wire? What what, what do we think? Because the guy we bought it from lost the charging cable for the gamepad. Yeah, so we had to go to. I think EB Games or something like that. Yes, and, get and we like had a, to go and buy a, a janky wire. wire that you have to plug into a USB oh, port. That was crazy. Yeah, it was wild. But hey, worth it. Play, totally yeah, totally worth, worth it. it. So, anyways, my friends, a bunch of my friends have okay, a, yeah, a surprise Switch. the Switch. Yeah, and they're all like, "Get a fucking Switch! Get a fucking Switch!" Did I'm they? Like, did they get it for Breath of the Wild? A lot of yeah, a lot of Breath of the Wild. Some for uh, Odyssey, Mario, Super Mario Odyssey. Okay, the newest. Super Mario yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. I heard, I heard that that was, like, the, the best one since Mario 64. Yeah, and then, well, some people like Galaxy or another one. Galaxy was okay. Yeah. yeah. We enjoyed Galaxy. We yeah, played exactly. it on Wii. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I don't know, a lot of friends are getting it, and then really? I started doing research on it, and I was like, why are so many people buying this? Maybe. And I was like, maybe. Really? And then I was like, do I want to spend $500 on the hit? It's 500 bucks. Oh, it's 400 bucks. 400 bucks for the console, and then each game is 80 bucks. Oh my god, that's insane. I know. So I'd get Odyssey and it'd be 500 bucks plus tax. That's insane. I know. It hurts so hard. Wow, Nintendo, what are you doing to us? To be fair though, they're selling fucking millions of these things. Really? Yeah. I never would have. The first thing, the first time it came out, I was like, what are these poor guys doing to themselves? Like, no, like, I, I these sold... goofy little remotes, like they think people are going to like. I played it and it's not like 
they're annoying, but not overly annoying. As a, some Super Super Mario Galaxy. Remember the Super Mario Galaxy? Okay, hold on. Let me collect my thoughts. When we played it together, one person was doing something totally useless. Like I think I, yeah, I was collecting, collecting coins. Yeah, exactly. Or something. Yeah. And you were playing the game. Yeah. So the the only thing I was there to do was basically to expand your ability to collect coins. It yeah. was the most useless task. Exactly. Ever. I, I heard that in this new one, there's a larger role for player two. But it makes it's like so unintuitive and difficult that I don't even know. I didn't even know it was multiplayer, to be honest. Crazy. I mean, I, I mean, you're buying for the for the yeah, yeah exactly there, yeah yeah. But, but it just anyway. Yeah, that's the thing. I thought it, I thought it looked so gimmicky when it came out. It it was because there was like two games for it, but now I think there's a decent enough selection that it's like kind of worth it. Because like people like who play it play Breath of the Wild, and they've been playing for like days yeah so if that's worth 500 i had that thought i I definitely had i was like "Mm, i didn't even find out about the price that's way too expensive by the way from my standard to to like justify playing one game exactly but yeah yeah i heard so many good things about breath of the wild i was like am i missing out on any that's the thing if i bought just the console i think i can like borrow games strategically enough so that i can hey no we would never do that and also our names are different than the ones we currently <laughs> Don't use. distribute games. Is that legal? Yeah. It's a, it is, yeah. Because it's, it's back to... friends, right? Yeah. It's back to cartridges, it's though. Just as long as it's not like a commercial thing where you're... you're Netflix whatever. of games, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Interesting. Yeah, and I guess if you have a big enough network of people, like there's got to be one of your friends who is like, it's just sitting on a shelf. So, exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's very cool. I, I hope... Um, Shadow of the Colossus. Did you ever play that? I've heard of it. I have no idea what it is, though. It's considered one of those, like, Epic games. It came out on PS2, and when it did, it totally broke the mold. And they've re-released it over and over again. They released it for what's the P- what's the PlayStation on now? Five, uh, four, four? something. Okay, maybe five. Actually, I have no idea. That's crazy. We're too uh, old for this shit. <laughs> you haven't played Shadow of the Colossus, uh, no. but it is a um, a well, very well-regarded game. It uh, uh, when it came out. One of the things was that it was glitchy with, like, Skyrim. Okay. Um, but now it's being re-released on all these different platforms. And in comparison with Skyrim, it apparently is much more... Uh, it, they polished it a lot more. So that's Team Ico, I think? Who, uh, who No anyway. idea. Uh, so the developers have worked on it a bit. They released it for Switch, and it's very popular. Okay. They've also released it for PS4 and other platforms. I hope it's released for Switch. I might be getting that wrong. Anyway, the point being, Skyrim was released for Switch. Yeah. And people blew up at Bethesda because they're like, this game has been out for like almost 10 years. It's like eight years old at this point. Uh, I don't know. About six it's, years it's old? old? Yeah, it's like... Okay, so at least half a decade. Let's say six years old, right? Yeah. And And there's the same glitches from Virgin 1 back in the day. Yeah. It's just like, come on. If you're going to release it on a console where you can't mod it, you can't update it. Yeah. It's just whatever comes on the disc is what you get. How, how can you still give people the same glitches that they had to put up with six years ago? Right. That being said, one of my friends has it, and he has been playing nonstop. So, yeah. So they, they, some, someone there is smarter than we are. They're yeah. just like, fuck, why fuck is there on that? Yeah. That's not their, they love the glitches. Yeah. It's part of the game. Who knows? Um, I wanted to ask you uh, one other question. Sorry, I don't know what reminds me of this, but uh, are, are you, uh, have you cooked yet? Have you made a meal? Uh, let me think. So for those of you who don't remember, uh, one of my colleague's New Year's resolutions was to cook a little bit more. He'd been watching a lot of Gordon Ramsay videos. 
which are fantastic. Yeah. Highly recommend. Very, very fun to watch. It's a black hole. It's a, it's a, it's the best kind of black hole. You you go into yeah. it and you come out being like, I think I care a lot more about food now. Exactly. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. And so, have you had a chance? Not like yes, but not up to the the standard. I guess I wanted, if you can say that. Um, I made some like some like Indian dish thing. It was essentially like a like a white rice and then like a chicken curry on top. Okay, and you put you this was like handmade. Like you put the spices yourself. Yeah. Yeah, but it was like, it was it was handmade in the sense that like you have like the recipe completely right. So it's just following a recipe. So like, well, no, but yeah, that's the first step. You yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so it's not like the full like. Eh, let's try this. Eh, well, let's try I mean, could you imagine the mess that you would make if you had known nothing about it? And that's you just true. From scratch that's true. A pinch of this and a yeah. what of that. You'd be Bender from Futurama. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, like a whole bunch of salt and yeah. then. Little <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fucking no taste buds. It tastes good. Why not? No, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I just like I want to research it more in the sense that like, what flavors go with what, so that I can kind of like uh, how do I say this? Like, think of a thing like this meat, I guess, and then just let's put that and that on it and call it a day. Yeah, 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 yeah. To get to that point where you can comfortably just kind of improvise. Exactly. In the kitchen. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if you've seen them, but uh, Ramsey has these videos where he teaches like basic yeah, exactly. kitchen skills. Yeah. And, you know, there's things like uh, how to hold your fingers if you're chopping something, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I don't think, like, like you don't look at a professional baseball player and ever think that you're going to be as good as them. But when you listen to them speak to you, it's you get possible. a little something. You it's get a possible. little bit better. That's what you're trying. That's an yeah. improvement. That's five percent improvement every time. You get better and better, and then eventually people are like, "Hey, oh, you chop pretty fast." Yeah. You're like, "Oh, I'm just you know, I'm not showing off. It's just I learned how to chop, and I just got more comfortable and faster, kind of thing, yeah. right?" Yeah. So it's that kind of slow, gradual improvement. Uh, one one of the things, as an example, uh, uh, there was this thing. He, he talks about scouring fish. If you're going to cook fish, scour it so that is to say, cut on the side where the scales are and cut it a distance of an inch and a half. And then when you put it on the grill, the skin gets crispy because the water has somewhere to drain out and then the skin tastes better. And that was just one thing where I was standing beside my dad at the barbecue and I was like, hey dad, uh, let's try doing this. Yeah. And he's like, okay, put it on plates. We scoured it, we put them in. He freaking loved it. Yeah. Not only was the skin crispy and cool, but the fish tasted better. Every, everything about it, he was just like, he couldn't yeah. stop talking about it. And this was just like a tiny little tip in a little video that was yeah. about a million other things. Yeah. So it's that kind of slow, gradual exactly. improvement of just paying a little more attention to this, a little more attention to that, doing things differently. And then exactly. eventually you get to this point where, like, you know, I, I remember I saw him cook for soldiers. Have you ever seen that yeah. video? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, it's like, bang, 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 bang. And then he hands it off to them and they're just like, oh, they can, they're just like <laughs> yeah, coughing it more. down. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. It's fun. It's fun to, like, get excited about something that you didn't think about that much. Yeah. Well, it's one of the things like we shot, we shot uh, uh, like this kind of like web series kind of thing for a restaurant. Okay. And we we're like talking you, to the chef. Would you be comfortable one. mentioning the? It's name? not. It's not out though. That's the issue. Okay. So uh, we shot this this thing and like it didn't work out in the end. But uh, when we were shooting it, it's like a five star restaurant, and it's like this guy's just making something, and he makes it look so simple to the sense it's <laughs> like ah oh, whatever, let's just let's just do it. Like why not? But then, like, you sit down and you're like, 
holy fuck, how do you do this? <laughs> like, it's exactly. like, it makes it look easy. It makes it look easy. Those it's chef easy. hands. That exactly. Just, just, yeah. It's like a magician, right? Like, yeah. It's, it's like, oh, it's all you got. Like, flipping yeah. the cards around, right? Like, yeah. And then, hey, now you try. And you're like, what? Well, yeah, of course I can do that. Uh, whoa, wait. Are my hands working on like a something's, 500 MS ping yeah. over here? Like, something's broken. Nothing is working. Yeah. I saw, um, just as a final example, uh, just perfect example of that. Uh, Gordon Ramsay, you can be able to find this online, folks, if you want to find it. He, uh, he takes a salmon i think and he portions it out that is to say if you're going to cook a salmon they're supposed to be a certain type of size and if when you're cutting at the head it's supposed to be bigger because the fish is thinner there and then when you get to the body it's supposed to be the wedges are supposed to be smaller and thicker because the fish is thicker there yeah. and you want to ideally remove the skeleton of the fish uh without catching any of the bones and putting yeah. the bones in the fillet yeah. and also not wasting meat because if you're sloppy about it then you end up having a lot of wasted meat that's still stuck to the skeleton exactly and he's t he's trying to teach a, a number of students how to do this and he's just it's like he's unzipping the fillets yeah it's just and then the students try to do it and it is a massacre i mean just an utter massacre you would think and these are these are culinary students so they've, they've already gotten a number of years of experience cooking in professional kitchens yeah they just can't they cannot they cannot do it. the guy is a freaking maestro yeah and makes it look so freakishly easy and the instant you see a normal person try to do it you like, realize how much skill was in every knife stroke exactly that just looked effortless yeah it's that, it's that kind of experience compounded to try and cook one of these really tough recipes and realize, wait a why second. did this look so easy before? What the? Yeah. Things are burning. I, I There's too much of this. There's too little of that. It, it tastes bad. Something smells. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. Keep it at it, sir. Keep yeah. at it. Yeah, that's it. Try it. Try uh, keep, try, keep try on again. trying. Yeah, that's it. Keep on trying. The key is to not get discouraged. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But when you have to eat three times a day, you know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you just can't eat that way all the time. Exactly. And you would think that you would, I don't know if this is inappropriate to say, but you would think that you would be envious of somebody whose whose parents are like that, but apparently he's a really tough dad to have. Probably. Just a couple, for the few, uh, I think his daughter has a cooking show, and just the few, the way she talks about her dad, he seems like the biggest pain in the ass to her. Just like a huge ego, yeah. sort of, and I had, I remember friends from my past whose dads were exactly like that who were really successful guys in the outside world, but within their own family circles, they were just like, oh, just a, a donkey, you know? Just yeah. a, just perpetually, everything was always about them, prima donnas, yeah. and you, your imagination of what it would be like to be surrounded by that person all the time is the exact opposite of what it's like. It's a living hell, and you're trying to escape them. Yeah. So you can only imagine with a personality as big as Gordon Ramsay what it must be like to be one of his exactly. kids. That's insane. Can't imagine. Well, sir, we've covered a wide and profound breadth of topics. Mm -hmm. uh, that's it for today's show, ladies and gentlemen, this being episode nine of Film and Color. Um, we thank you very much for being with us. We hope it was as enjoyable and informative for you as it was for your co-hosts. Uh, as we mentioned in the last episode, we are thinking of expanding in, in new and interesting ways, and one of those ideas revolves around inviting guests to the show. So if you live in Montreal, you're a comic, uh, a writer, um, if you work in the industry, or you're just a film buff and you have some free time on a Saturday, feel free to send us an email at filmandcolor, C-O-L-O-U-R podcast at gmail.com, or reaching out on social media. 
and we will get in contact with you. It usually uh, involves um, just we'll send you the name of a film that we're going to be reviewing that week. You will come to see us at our studio. We'll do a roundtable conversation, very casual. If there's anything that you want taken out, we will take it out. There's no gotcha questions here. It's, it's purely for the pleasure of the thing. And um, uh, hopefully we'll be able to have some great conversations going in. It's certainly the more the merrier from our perspective. So if that interests you, do not hesitate. And finally, um, from uh, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much to all of our new listeners. Uh, We keep growing, and it's great. So uh, please stick with us. If there's anything that you want us to change, criticisms, be as harsh as you like. We love hearing from you. And, of course, we also love hearing your comments and praise. We, we, we'll tell you this over and over again. When we started off, we didn't expect to end up here, and we have no idea where we're going to be in the near future. Anything exactly. you want to add to that, sir? No, that's it. You got it. So, for Film and Color, this is Jesse. This is Eric. Signing off. <laughs>